The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're absolutely in the right place and you're going to find out why right now. The buzz today is business software users. I think everybody in the audience belongs to that group, so let me get started. Enterprise software, it's undergoing a revolution and hopefully an evolution as IT vendors are hearing a powerful message from us, the business users, because we expect more than just a bunch of new features and functions. Yes, we do. Today's empowered users expect to be at the center of all interactions across the enterprise and beyond. Why is this happening? What is the reason for this sea change, this outcry? We are all consumers. Yes, we are. And we've been spoiled because when we are personal consumers, our experiences on Google, Amazon, Facebook, wherever you are, are good. They're simple. They're friendly. They're easy. Now, in our hats, wearing our hats as employees and as organizations, we also want a great user experience. Shorthand UX, and you can... Find a lot on hashtag UX on Twitter. With the software we use, the technology and devices we receive from our companies, and the ease with which they help us get our jobs done. Isn't that really the bottom line? So if you're a business owner or a manager or a leader, why should your company bother to meet this demand, meet this outcry? What's in it for you? The bottom line may be, will a better user experience add business value to your enterprise? And the bottom line, again, is will humanizing business software result in more productive, successful workers? That's what we all want. We want to be successful. We want to be productive. And you as business owners want us to make that happen. The experts speak. I've got a great panel today. Sean Sievertson is with us. He's a managing partner at Convergent Information Systems. And Sean has selected a quote from Leonardo da Vinci. I think this is da Vinci's first time on, <laughs> on SAP radio. Here's the quote. Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. I love it. Sean Sievertson, how are you today? Doing fantastic. How about yourself, Bonnie? Wonderful. Thanks for joining us. So talk to me. This is actually an elegant little quote. It's five simple words that packs a punch from Da Vinci. So tell me why you picked it and how does it relate to our topic today? You know, it, it has to do with pretty much the standard challenge that every leader in an organization faces. And it's a lot of complexity and it's a lot of sophistication that every leader wants to have in their organization to be able to deliver great service to their customers and to be able to do that repeatedly and consistently you have to find a way to simplify it and it's it's not in simplifying something for the sake of simplifying it it's in taking that sophistication and and making it simple and easy to use 
Sean, when we talk about sophistication, do you think that's in the minds of people who are designing business software? Well, I'm going to do something sophisticated, but it'll be so sleek, so elegant, so sophisticated that it will just be as easy as a baby just tapping a finger on a keyboard and everybody will get it. Do you think they start out with that concept of sophistication? You know, I, I wish they all did. I, I think <laughs> in, in my experience, the, the, tr- the traditional approach has been, you know, you get a bunch of engineers and process guys and business guys together, and they'll, they'll design a, a very, very capable solution. Um, but those folks that have to use it, you know, all of, those, all of those requirements, all of those capabilities that are built right in, making them simple and intuitive and easy to use for that person that wasn't involved in building it, and doesn't necessarily understand why that button is there, doesn't really mm-hmm. understand the, the process in depth, those are the folks that, that we really need to be focusing on. Okay, Sean, great introduction to our topic. Thank you very much. And let me introduce our second panelist. He has been on SAP Radio before, welcoming back Scott Lewer. He is the founder of the Digital Clarity Group, and that's what we're looking for today is clarity on the topic. And here is a quote, again, five words. I think that's, I think that's the mantra, Scott. Five words, experience is the new black. Wow, is that a Scott Lewer original? Welcome, Scott. How are you? <laughs> Amazing, Bonnie. I'm, I'm great this morning. Thank you. And it is a Scott Lee original, um, although it's not very original, I guess, in, in general. Everything is a new black these days. But um, I definitely think that experience is a new black because it, it, it matters to us now above all else in this era. I think whether it's employees or we're talking about consumers or customers or users or prospects, they, they all, you know, we all expect a great experience now kind of more than ever. Ultimately, we're all consumers and research shows that you know, in the past, folks used to care more maybe about price and product than experience. Mm-hmm. But now modern-day research shows that experience has surpassed both of those. And we think that you know, going into the future, it's going to matter you know, even more so. And so whether it's customer experience or we're talking about user experience and interactions, um, I think it's, it's the most important key now. It is, it is the new black. Very important. A great quote. we got to crochet that on a pillow or write it on the side of a wall when nobody's looking, Scott. Two, two words come to mind listening to you and Sean, and I'll introduce our third panelist in a second. The, the words of the user experience when this doesn't happen to me are annoying and distracted. I can't get my job done if the software isn't easy. I can't get my job done. I can't focus. I can't concentrate. Scott, is that what you're seeing? Is that people are saying, damn, this is just interfering in the seamlessness I need in order to get a task done. Is that what really the bottom line of what we're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. And when we're talking about what goes on within the enterprise, um, there there were days, I guess, in the past where the enterprise didn't have to care if it annoyed you or if it was distracting to you or if it slowed you mm-hmm. down. Because, in fact, you know, it just was the way it was and you had no other choices. But now we have choices. We see employees every day working around the systems that they have using their own, you know, consumer-based applications or something else. And so they now have a lot more power. They have a lot more voice and choice. And uh, if the enterprise wants to continue to hire the best talent and be able to keep the best workers, then they need to be able to satisfy their experiences and their desires and not be annoying. 
Thank you. I had to get that word in. I know it's not a business <laughs> word, but it's a real people word. Joining us on the panel, thank you, Scott, is Andreas Hauser. He is Global Head of the Design and Co-Innovation Center at SAP SE. And I'm reading from Andreas's bio. He says his team's mission is to humanize business software. And that's exactly why he's here on the show. And Andreas has brought us a very interesting quote from John Kabat-Zinn. I believe he's been quoted before. Uh, Zinn is Professor of Medicine Emeritus and creator of the Stress Reduction Clinic and the Center for Mindfulness in Medicine, Healthcare, and Society at UMass Med School. What, what a great person to quote. Here's the quote. You can't stop the waves, but you can learn to surf. Andreas Hauser, welcome to Future of Business Radio. How are you? Good morning. I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. So your mission is to humanize business software. You couldn't be more perfect for this panel. So tell me why you picked this John Kabat-Zinn quote, and how does this relate to what we're looking for today? There are two reasons. Uh, first of all, it relates to me because I uh, like water sports. But the mm-hmm. second, which I think is more important, um, if you look five years just back, 2010, the iPad came on the market. And uh, if you at home sit on your sofa and order at uh, Amazon a book, and the next morning you go to the office and order your business software, uh, use a business software to order a laptop, you expect the same simplicity. What Sean and Scott already mentioned, uh, mobilization plus also the consumer consumerization really sets the expectations what people expect from business software, and there's no way around. And uh, what do you need to do to achieve that? You need to have the business technology skills. Well, you're all very good. But you need to understand the needs of the people who use the software. And uh, these are typically design skills. But it's not just about the skills. It's also about the methodology. It's about engaging with the users from the beginning to the end in an iterative approach using design thinking methodology. And learning about this methodology is key. And therefore, I see a big wave because if I look at business software, it's the end users don't just use the standard software that we as vendorship. 50% of the screens that our users use are adapted by partners, by the IT organizations on their own. That means the entire ecosystem. And I think all of them are currently in the process of learning how to do it. And therefore, there is no way around it. You have to learn and start, start this journey. Very, very interesting. Uh, Andreas, a lot of pressure on you if you're trying to humanize that software and good approach, good perspective. Yes, the reality is we want it. We'll do whatever we can to get it to make our lives easier and our jobs easier. I have a question for the whole panel. You know what's coming. I prepped you on this, and I can see that Scott Lieber has a head start because he already sent me a picture of the official SAP Coffee Break with Game Changers mug on Twitter. Anybody wants to see the mug with something wonderful in it, go to hashtag SAP Radio. So, Scott, wait your turn now. I'm going to dial back to Sean Sievertson, who's first on the panel. Sean, what's in your cup? What are you drinking right now, or what can't you wait to drink right after the show? Sean? Uh, we're, uh, I, I'm, I'm taking a, a little break from a vacation with family. We're, we're down in a place called Sayulita, Mexico, and I've discovered something called a golden honey latte. And it's got turmeric in it. And I would have never thought to combine those. But I'll tell you, I've had one just about every morning this week. Coffee with turmeric. I have turmeric. I have a friend who's uh, Middle Eastern, and he loves to cook with turmeric. So I bought some. I'm going to have to see if I can. What do you do? Just shake a little bit into the coffee with the the milk? 
a little just bit a... in there. I'm sure they've got some other secret spices that they don't want to tell me about, but you know, Ooh. a little. It, it turns out beautiful golden yellow, and then they add some honey. And I'll tell you, I, I'm, I'm going to be. I might go back there again later this morning. Wow. Okay. Well, I can imagine how good it is. Thank you, Sean. Love the recipe. Scott Leeware, I can see you say here you're drinking decaf tea, but of course I want to know more. Scott, what kind of tea? Is there a brand? Is it uh, herbal? What is it? Does it have any caffeine to pack a punch for you today? You know, so here's the thing. Uh, usually I think of decaf anything as being fairly useless, kind of like diet mm-hmm. pizza, like who needs it, right? But um, <laughs> Why bother? I'm typically a really late nighter, but in this new year I've vowed now to start my day, you know, much earlier. So I've already had two cups of coffee and a monster drink, so I figured I'd do all of you a favor and tone down on the caffeine a little bit. I don't know the, the brand of the tea, but um, the point is that it's decaf, and I think that's uh, as much for you as for me at this point. Oh, you're very sweet. You know, you mentioned that you've had a couple cups of coffee and a power drink or, and, and then the tea. So I'm glad you've, you're sliding in on a smooth way to home base here for the show. I appreciate it. I knew there had to be some caffeine in your day today, though. I absolutely well, knew it. There has to be. Always has to be. Absolutely. I agree. They're even letting me drink coffee on radio show days now, Scott. I know I always said I couldn't, but I'm, I've started. So there you go. Andreas Hauser, what are you drinking today? Where are you calling from, Andreas? I'm calling from San Diego, sitting in the hotel room and uh, just made a coffee and uh, have a water. But uh, I want to shortly tell you a story about uh, one of my new fame strings. Uh, last year I was on vacation and uh, I saw on the menu ginger beer. And uh, you know that, that I'm German, and uh, Germans are known to like to drink beer. And then I ordered two or three of these beers, and I really liked it, but I was wondering I didn't get drunk. And then I looked <laughs> at the beer, and so there is no alcohol in it. It's great. I'm uh-huh. very amazed about it, because now I can drink beer and drive car. <laughs> I like the way you say that, ginger beer. I appreciate that. Thank you, Andreas. We have a good panel. I haven't started the coffee yet. I'm just having some filtered water. But I have to do a shout-out to Katie Moser, who is listening on the line and tweeting about what our three panelists are saying, or your words of wisdom, and Mark Labez also. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Mark, is also listening and tweeting, and we're getting some good capture of words of wisdom here. Guess what? Our topic today is Great Expectations. User experience in the enterprise. My panel of esteemed thought leaders is today Sean Sievertson. I'll spell that. Anybody wants to find him online, S-Y-V-E-R-T-S-E-N. We also have Scott Lewer. I'll spell that one, too, L-I-E-W-E-H-R. And Andreas Hauser. I'll spell his last name, H-A-U-S-E-R. Anybody wants to find them and track them on Twitter, they're all out there somewhere. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be here hosting another live edition of Future of Business with Game Changers Radio, presented by SAP Services, and a special shout-out to series sponsor David Fowler. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Sean Severson is going to open up our roundtable, 30 minutes nonstop, you know the drill, so I'm just going to say what I usually say. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Bread out! We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as business simplification, insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity, business networks and supply chains, and the ever-present need for speed are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. The Future of Business with Game Changers is presented by SAP Services. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to The Future of Business with Game Changers. The Future of Business is right now, right here, and you're listening to it. Speaking right now with Sean Sievertson, a managing partner at Convergent IS Information Systems. Sean, we're going to kick off the roundtable. I think we'll start with a reality check. You sent me notes before the show, some very interesting mantras here. Let me just read a moment of your notes, and then I'll have you dive in. You say, enterprises often get mired in discussion around strategy, emphasizing a need to do something the right way and get it right the first time. Here's the reality check from Sean Sievertson. No one gets it right, 100% right the first time, especially when it comes to UX user experience. So what is the fear level at enterprises on getting it wrong in terms of the user experience business users? Sean, why don't you kick us off, please? Sure. Thanks, Bonnie. I think uh, it, it definitely runs the gambit in terms of what the fear level is. There's some folks that say, well, we're going to get it wrong, but we're going to try and we're going to try now and we're going to try quickly. Um, and those are the folks that uh, I generally see getting it right um, because they, they, they don't mind getting it not 100% right or even getting it wrong the first time because they'll fix it quickly and they move on and they're, they're off and running. Uh, the, the ones that I see you know, where they, they really seem to struggle are the ones that do seem to be a little bit paralyzed by getting something out there that isn't perfect the first time. And they, they really seem to struggle with it. And I think the, the real message there is um, you, you've got to get out there. You've got to talk to the folks that are going to use what you're providing them. And you've got to involve them right from the start and right through. You know, once you, once you switch it on and you get something out there into production, you've really got to follow up with those folks that are using it and, and give them the next couple of iterations. It's, it's, it's not the finish line when you switch it on the first time. It's the starting line. Good point. Scott Lee, chime in. What do you think? Agree? Yeah, it's completely true. It's become the new norm, I think, this notion of kind of iterations, right? And people don't expect everything necessarily. The bar isn't so high that you have to absolutely get it right the first time, but you do need to kind of have folks help to see that things are improving and that their feedback matters and, and that sort of stuff. I think I think that that is the new kind of modus operandi today that people are starting to be used to. It doesn't it doesn't have to be this big bang, let's wait forever, take a really long time and get it out. I think I, I think Sean is exactly right that you want to get it out sooner and iterate and improve over time. Andreas Hauser, thoughts? Yes, I think it's um, the the most important thing from my point of view is that if you involve the people in the process or you make it also their thing. And important is if you listen to them, you see that you take their feedback 
um, they will be pretty happy finally at the end. It's not that there there is somebody knowing or thinking about what you do and then providing this type of software. I think it's a, it's a joint, a collaborative process, and um, and it's really iterative. Okay, Sean, I'm going to expand a little bit and go a little deeper into your notes before we turn to some of Scott's talking points here. You say empowering users begin with understanding who they are and how they work. How does that process work? You take a big organization, the UX isn't really where it's supposed to be. Who has to do the work, Sean, and going back and saying, okay, we're going to start a focus group, a user group. We're going to have people send us anonymous notes on what's wrong. Uh, do you pick people at all levels of the organization, say, okay, we're going to sit you down and we're going to grill you, Tell us everything you do during the course of the workday. What are your goals? What are your projects? What do you need? How does that process work? It sounds like in a big company, it would be very involved and very expensive. Sean? You know, it, it can really be a lot simpler than that, especially if you, if you start with a, with a focus. And when you start with a focus on, for instance, you know, one group, one function, one role, um, then it's, it's easier to identify those people that are, that are actually performing that role. And then one of the most important things is finding somebody, frankly, not like myself. I'm a little bit too type A for this job. Um, mm-hmm. But finding somebody who, who has uh, a, a lot more patience and who's a lot better at, at probing and questioning. And so, you know, folks on, on, on my team are far better at, them, at that than I am. And so pairing those people up to just go down and sit and talk about, you know, what's working for them, what's not working for them, what are the things that get in the way of doing their job the most. And then that forms the basis of, of really where to start. Scott Lewer, you agree with the process? I do. I wish I didn't, though, because I would like to inspire some <laughs> debate here. I, I tend to want to be... Please do. I want to hear the debate. Go ahead. You know, in, in this case, no, I, I don't disagree, but I'll find something to debate with, you know, in the future here. But, um, no, I, th- I think that's exactly right. I think the, the, the thing that folks get kind of caught up in is that, that I think is really important here is utility is the most important thing, especially in the work environment. And, and sometimes... Even, you know, at the top of it, the first comment that you had around about Sean was making sure that the, the strategy is right and that sort of thing. I think the key has to be is trying to help them do something better, faster, um, or, you know, more efficiently, essentially. And so sometimes we can get caught up when we talk about user experience and things with um, just kind of coming up with bells and whistles and features and functions that ultimately don't necessarily add utility. And you see a real wave of simplicity these days that people are just trying to make apps simpler, experiences simpler, because it becomes ultimately all about utility. So I think that's a key to keep in mind. Andreas, Andreas, join our conversation. Go ahead. We we spoke so far a lot about satisfaction of users, but uh, if you look at... um, corporations, organizations, there's another topic which is really important. is the business value. Mm-hmm. And you can really calculate the value of good user experience. And now what you see, if you look what happened in the last years, IT organizations and the business units, they separated. Because the business units start looking at uh, specific LOB solutions, probably cloud solutions. The IT organizations, they have the perception they are pretty slow. And now I think the, uh, they struggle with where to start. And where what is important is start in an area where you have uh, a big value in it, where you can reduce the number of uh, people that you have to train, where you can really calculate it, and uh, involve these people in the process. And by doing that, by involving the real end users, you get IT and business again together at one table working on one project. And I agree with Sean, don't start huge. Don't look for a one-year-long mm-hmm. project where you don't know what the outcome is. 
uh, start small, take an area where you can show a fast value. Andreas, uh, let me ask you a question, and I can we can kick it over to the whole panel. Who does this? Whose job is it to do these focus groups, to start small, to be patient? Uh, I think um, I think it was Sean who said other people in his company are more patient than he is and should do this job. Whose job is it anyway, as they say, to to sit down and say, "Damn, this really isn't good enough for our users. We have to go back and and go through the process." Who says that? Where does it have to come from? High up? Does it start low in the organization? Andreas, any thoughts on, on from your experience? Yes, I think it's, um, first of all, the IT organizations, would say, at our customers, they provide the business solution, how the um, corporations run their business with the software. And I think, in general, that they have a high interest that, uh, that they provide something that they like. That's one dimension. And uh, the second dimension, for sure, the software vendors. But software vendors typically provide a standard solution, which fits multiple industries and things Mm -hmm. like that. And therefore, it is is clearly, it's the responsibility of both. I think we at SAP, we started 15 years ago investing in the design, involving end users in the process. And if I look at IT organizations, but what they currently start doing, they start hiring designers because they start realizing they lack a value, uh, a skill in their in their organizations, mm-hmm. and uh, they struggle um, because it's something new. And it's always if it's something new, um, you need to learn. And it also related a little bit to my quote: "Learn small and then then grow the topic." Thank you, Sean. Scott, want to jump in on what I just asked Andreas about whose job is it anyway, Sean? I, my my view is it's it's really every business leader's job to make sure that it's happening, and to bring the right folks in to to do that. And when you when you bring somebody in that thinks as a designer that that doesn't get stuck in what I would call a traditional business analyst, where they get stuck in requirements that are carefully documented, where when the business analyst would traditionally go and ask somebody, "What do you need?" That's usually a very short conversation, and frankly, a lot of people are too busy to really have spent the time thinking about it. What the designer will do is they'll go in and they'll talk to them about what they're doing, and they'll watch what they're doing, and they will pick up more by watching and through through more of a, a, a very patient interview process. It's not time-consuming and expensive. It's just a different approach, and it's a much deeper, richer set of requirements that are brought back to more deeply understand what really needs to be fixed. Thank you, Scott Lee. Where I know you have, so you ready to debate, Scott? Are we going to go into debate mode yet? <laughs> uh, not just yet, but I'll take a little bit of a different perspective. I think instead Please of do. just kind of who who's going to take up the cross, so to speak, it's rather I think from the business's perspective, top down wise, it should be about empowering folks to make sure that they 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 have the ability to take it up, right? So it's I, I think you have to have a culture. Um, that that it, that empowers folks, and that's not necessarily the case in most places. I mean, let's just be real. Um, a lot of what we're talking about here is fairly, maybe not idealistic, but it's certainly not necessarily common. It's not it's not necessarily everywhere where your average business leader at whatever level of the organization just gets to kind of decide that okay, you know what we have is not necessarily satisfactory. Let's put a new initiative in place to go and to go and fix this. I mean, if if it wasn't some strategic imperative, it probably doesn't get much uh, money. Or funding or attention by mm-hmm. anybody else, and so I think the notion of empowerment um, is pretty key. And ultimately, it really does come down to that notion of employee empowerment. Ultimately, that they have that they do have. I think into the next 
probably topic is that they do have voice and choice. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you'll give it to them, but then their choice will be to leave. And you won't be able to keep the top talent if you don't satisfy them uh, in their jobs. Interesting. Uh, an old adage comes to mind, Scott, you're probably familiar with it, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Let's turn this around. Rather than whose job is it to do something about it, whose job is it to say something about it? In a, an average day, in an average corporation, you might have thousands of people sitting on some device in the office, outside the office, around the world, and somebody has to say, damn, this is really an awful user experience. I just can't do this. Who's Who has the nerve, and there's another word I'm not going to use on the radio, to say it loudly enough that somebody is going to hear it and start this initiative and bring in the designers and go back to the IT vendors and say, this is not good enough. This is not working for us. Whose voice, who, who has the nerve to, to raise that voice so loudly that it's heard? Scott, want to take a, a stab at that? I think folks are. I mean, I think businesses are nowadays. I mean, the, the, the idea that you're seeing a lot of initiatives by major software companies that have historically not necessarily been known for having the, the nicest, easiest user experiences are all putting initiatives in place to really make their products over and relook at them anew. I mean, we're seeing as, as industry analysts, um, it was, you know, over the course of the past few years, there's been this huge wave of upgrading user experiences for these applications not even necessarily adding new capabilities per se mm-hmm. as much as it is making it easier for folks to use. I think this idea of uh, uh, employers do understand the notion of adoption and the struggles they have getting em- employees to adopt the tools and use them. And, and I think, you know, both utility and experience are significant keys uh, to adoption, and, and folks are realizing that. So yeah, I, I think that's I think the wave has, has come upon uh, you know the, the software vendors to make sure that good to know. Andreas, thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I don't think that people don't raise their voice. I think um, that's that's already happening. I think it's. Uh, um, if you look at uh, at this industry, the focus was really long, long time on function features and business processes, and it's not really about the experience. And it was always somehow user experience was a selection criteria of software, but meanwhile. It's not anymore just about functions and features, and uh, um, and I think there, um, I see that there that what what um, uh, what Scott mentioned about this cultural change is also really really an important topic. It's in the cultural change in the um, software vendor providers, cultural change at partners who also build and develop and adapt software, but also in our customer and IT organizations who need to work together with their business units in a, in a little bit in a different way. Okay. Sean, anything before I move to another discussion topic? Anything you want to add to this? The one thing that I'll add is that there are uh, a number of folks out there, especially in the business leadership, that uh, still have, unfortunately, uh, and I don't know if it's a... a pure numbers accounting mindset or quite where it comes from. But the, the one mindset that I love to challenge is, uh, maybe I enjoy challenging it too much, I get myself mm-hmm. in trouble sometimes, is folks that say, eh, it doesn't matter if it's not nice to use, I'm paying them, it's their job, they'll use it. And that uh, just doesn't cut it anymore. 
Aha, uh-huh. and that's a perfect segue for me to go to some notes from Scott. Scott, I'm going to read something from your notes and then have you jump in. And, and I know you're going to agree with Sean here. You say, in the same way that traditional customer experience isn't just sales enablement, but it includes brand awareness, social presence, customer support, advertising, packaging, the complete entire end-to-end interaction with the company. And I pause to go to the next part of your statement. You say then employee experience, and that's what Sean was just talking about is it just about where they report to work it isn't just about interactions with their bosses just is it just about communication from the company or the work site but it includes and here we go the software they use the technology and devices they receive the ease with which they get their jobs done so let's talk about the evolution or the coming into focus of this employee experience scott lee where you want to take this yeah, I, I think it's really critical. And again, we're talking about, you know, there's not an absence of, of uh, um, talent out there, but it certainly is hard to keep people these days. And, uh, you know, I think that it, both employees are consumers ultimately, right? And we all not only have our experiences at work that we expect to be high, but we don't even expect them. We don't compare this job to the last job anymore. We don't compare this software application that we use at work to that software application. We compare everything to the kind of latest and greatest that we've experienced in any environment, whatever it might be, even if it's in our consumer world. So Netflix is raising the bar for what I expect to be able to do on a mobile device from work. You know, if I'm a guy who works out in the field and I want to be able to pull up a manual, I say, why, gosh darn it, I'm frustrated. Even if I've never been able to do it before, I'm frustrated now because if I can watch a movie on my mobile, why can't I just pull up this document on my mobile, right? So the expectations are not even just being set anymore by other kind of enterprise application competitors or even other other jobs that somebody might have, but their references now are back to the best experiences that, that they're getting, and the bar is raising on that every single day. Um, and those things are very much a part of, you know, the employee experience is very much um, uh, um, needs to be high in order to be able to keep satisfied, uh, uh, empowered employees working. Andreas, yes, thoughts? I, I would like to add a story um, to that. Please. And, uh, fully agree to you. Um, I was speaking with a customer um, a couple of days ago, and the, the story that he told me, he had a new applicant uh, in the early 20s, that means young talent, um, and he really wanted to hire this person. And then this person asked, can you show me with what kind of systems I'm going to work at work? And you know what the answer was? Thank mm. you very much. I'm not going to work in your company. And I think this is exactly what uh, what you need to take good care of is about the future genera- generation starting coming to work. I think it's they're not they're not going to accept um, that they work with clumsy software. And uh, um, if you want to get young talent into your organization um, to uh, to have long term success, you need to take care of it. Very interesting point, bringing in the generational aspect of the workforce. I don't think we mentioned that yet in the discussion. Sean Sievertson at Convergent IS, any thoughts on generations and expectations? Is this the, where the groundswell is coming from today? You know, I, I think it's a, it's a group that's certainly uh, less patient and has dramatically higher expectations for mm-hmm. what they're going to experience in the workforce. Uh, you know, a similar story is watching a, a new campus recruit sitting down and getting acquainted with the system for the first time and the, the shock and horror on their face when they saw the enterprise system that they were going to have to use on a daily basis. And, um, you know, comparing that to their iPhone, it just uh, it was something else. 
but on the generational side, uh, it's really interesting watching some of the senior leaders in organizations who naturally and intuitively appreciate the value of user experience for themselves when they start to insist on bringing their iPad to work. And ah. those same leaders are going to be the perfect catalysts for their own organizations to start to lead and start to champion improved user experience, improved employee experience across those enterprise systems. And it's, it's really those folks that I hope are listening today and that are able to, to take up that charge and, and really start to empower their teams to bring forward those suggestions for uh, unlocking that business value of, of user experience. Thank you very much. And guess what? I want to now go to the topic of business value. What's in it for the company? What does the enterprise gain if they put in place a great UX, a great user experience for their business users or their customers, the people who work there and have to use the software? Andreas Hauser, I'm looking at your notes here, and I'm just going to read one of your comments on this and then ask you to expand. You say, our experience with hundreds of customer projects shows that a great UX leads to savings in productivity gains, lower training costs, decreased user errors, increased solution accuracy. Is this the tip of the iceberg? Are there a lot more? Is this the basic uh, top five, one, two, three, four, the top four factors that you gain in terms of added business value? Andreas? I would say these are, I would say that's a collection of what, of uh, some of the key aspects. There are for sure always okay. uh, other elements. But I think it's... Um, I think you need to look at this topic of user experience in a different way. Many people think, to be honest, many people have no clue what user experience is. They think nice colors, cool fonts, or animations, mm-hmm. that's good user experience. But you need to look at this a different way. And I'll tell you another story. Um, I spoke with a customer, and they, had, they have 3,000 contractors exchanging all 18 months. And everybody gets a two-day training how to work with the system. Imagine if you can reduce this to one day or even half day. And by the way, who of us ever got the training if you download an app from the App Store? And I not. <laughs> Nobody did. But uh, I think mm-hmm. if you now take this, the savings that you can do with something like that, uh, you can easily argue that you need to invest into this topic. And uh, there are other elements um, where it's, we can very, very easily measure, measure the value of UCX because this helps you to have an objective discussion and not just a subjective discussion what many people have. Okay. Sean Sievertson, agree, disagree? Completely agree. Um, I, I think a, a parallel just from our own team is uh, we're, um, we're, we're growing into in, incorporate two additional countries and the, the user experience from our, our previous software just um, would have made that really untenable. It would have been quite the make-work project. Um, so we're just finalizing moving to, uh, um, without making it an advertisement naturally, moving to a, a different solution that's able to handle multiple countries with a, a user experience that meets the standards that I set for our design team. And that's, uh, that's, that's not an order that we would have been able to fill very easily even just a few years ago. And that user experience is... It's about the experience of the employee doing their job and handling tasks that used to be disconnected and connecting those tasks in, in a more meaningful way. It's those little points of frustration of, you know, mm-hmm. what, what, what do you mean I have to go to three different places to do this? Why are they so separate? Why can't I connect them? I can get my Gmail here, there, and everywhere. Uh, why, 
why the disconnection? And that those frustrations are often forgotten when somebody comes around to ask them, how are your jobs going and what can we do to make it better? Finding ways to, to capture that feedback on, on user experience for those little frustrations. It's really important because it, it's those moments when somebody's really frustrated that they would take the time to fill something out and they might even put some colorful language in there. Um, and <laughs> those are the moments when you want to capture the feedback about user experience. And it's mm. not just an individual application, but it's how they work across them, across the suite and across their job. It's how they get from their email to the six other, 10 other, 50 other systems that they use. Very, very good points. I'm thinking of the word delightful. I don't know if we brought the word delightful experience in or fun. OMG, employees having fun at work and enjoying doing their job and saying to their managers, I had a delightful day. Everything worked. My software is great. The interfaces are terrific. I love the colors and the icons, but, you know, I really got my job done in three quarters of the usual time. Thank you. Do you think that's a conversation we would ever here today or very often? I'm going to ask the whole panel. Sean Severson, have you ever heard an employee go to a manager and say, I had a delightful day at work. All my software worked great. Thanks for a great UX. Did it happen? Will it happen? Could it happen? You know, one of my favorite moments was a moment very much like that. We were asked to help out a new new a new CIO who was brought in to help speed things up and move a little faster. And um, so the, the, the starting point, because like I said earlier, you need a, a starting point with some focus. And this was, they had a, a real pain point for their leadership. The overall company was having a little bit of a hard time with everybody understanding the value of user experience. And so their, their CFO, using this, uh, um, you know, popular but, um, you know, not necessarily the best ex- reputation for having a good user experience, uh, mm-hmm. traditionally, and, and this software, they needed this technical lead to go up and hold the CFO's hand every time he had to approve a purchase order. It was a little bit of a convoluted process to get in and do this. <laughs> and it was uh, after a little less than a month, the, the look on this man's face when we said, here, click on this on your BlackBerry. And he said, oh, yeah, here's that, that purchase order. Do I just press, oh, oh, that, that's it? <laughs> It's approved. That's it. That was easy. And the, the, the delight on this person's There's face the delight. not yes. having to feel stupid or asking for help for something that he should know how to do. And that's half of it, too, is, is just when you make it simple and you make it easy, a lot of the people that don't want to complain because they don't want to feel stupid by saying they don't know how to do something and they don't find it easy, you, you remove that. You, you, you hit the nail on the head before it even comes up. Mm-hmm. Great, great story. Thank you very much. Uh, that was a, an awakening moment. Scott Lewer, you have any stories like that from the Digital Clarity Group? Anybody have that aha, delightful feedback? You know, I think these days, to be to be honest, it's, it's fairly sad, but I think it's true that it's probably easy to um, delight employees um, if you provide them with contemporary experiences because they're so used to just dealing with god-awful experiences in many cases. However, the delight will be fleeting. What's delightful today or the first time, you know, is not as delightful tomorrow. It becomes, again, the new kind of expectations. So it's harder and harder, I think, to delight uh, over time, and we're seeing that constantly. But, uh, you know, maybe the first uh, delight is just that, oh, you guys allowed me to bring that iPad in, right? And that's wonderful. And, oh, my gosh, it was so much better today. And there's actually nothing the, the employer really even did for them. But then tomorrow, that's the new expectation. I should be able to bring it in. Why don't you have apps for my iPad anymore that I can use? And it's, you know, it's just so delight is fleeting, unfortunately. 
Mm, the bar but sure it's keeps not, moving. It cool. does, but it's nice when it happens. Go ahead. Who's talking? I would agree to Scott, the bar is, the bar is very low currently uh, in many organizations to jump over and delight somebody. Um, and to be very honest, it's, um, um, it is a first step. It's, it's really important. And to people in, in, within business organizations, it's not too much about fun. It's really about they just want to get their job done in an efficient way. Mm-hmm. And if you achieve that, they are delighted. And because currently the system very often gets in their way and leads to frustration. And they don't overemphasize delight and don't misinterpret in at least to be very cool. It sometimes is just, as Sean said, launch it, approve, done. This sometimes really already delights, delights people. Mm-hmm. I have a question for the panel. Thank you all. One more question before we are going to take a break in about three minutes. Question is, today, employees speak out about how much they love working for their companies or not so much. Social has gone to given a voice, has been, been giving a voice to the employee, not just the consumer who does or doesn't like what they buy on Amazon or, or how great the return policy on Zappos is. Employees are, are taking to the uh, the social waves and saying, good place to work, not such a good place to work. Can you imagine the day coming? And I'm not getting ahead of myself in the predictions round yet, but but uh, Sean Sievertson, can you imagine the day? Or is it already happening when employee will go on social and say, wow, we have such easy-to-use software at my company. Take a look at this if you're looking for a job. This is a great place to work because I can get my job done so efficiently. Have you ever heard of that? Is it happening? Do we not know about it? Sean? You know what? There, there's a lot of sites out there that, that help people leave reviews. And, mm-hmm. and I expect a lot of those reviews are going to continue to center around the, the most important make or break point, which is the, the person that you work for. And that's always, mm-hmm. I think, going to remain paramount. But uh, I, I would liken it to people commenting on how easy it is to do their job or whether they're getting the tools to do their job effectively. And that, that tends to be the way I see that characterized. And you know, a, a really poor user experience in enterprise software is kind of a lot like telling somebody to sweep the floor and giving them a hand duster. Um, it's it's reflected in, in how easy somebody finds it to do their job and whether they feel like they're being given effective tools to do that. And that kind of thing is definitely showing up in, in reviews that I've seen, for sure. Good. Good to know. Scott Lewer, what have you observed? Yeah, I think not only are there those Sean mentions the forums and things. There certainly are those, plenty of them for employees to post their gripes about uh, employers, and certainly you can go looking for that. But I think even if folks are not proactively, which they are, as you say, proactively you know, mm-hmm. providing commentary, it's just as easy to go get commentary, meaning to go and say, hey, I'm about to start this hashtag, you know, XYZ company, I'm going to go work, I'm going to go get there. Who, who, who can tell me about how, what it's like to work there? I think, you know, people are quick to take to and listen to, by the way, people that they don't know at all, right? It used to be mm-hmm. that um, folks would tell, what, what was it? They would tell, you know, five people if they were happy with something and 10 people if they were dissatisfied or whatever. And now it's 5 million and 10 million. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Anyone can get access to that. You know, you've got a sea of quote-unquote friends out there uh, that you can get inside information from. So, yeah, there, there's definitely um, the social movement has, has changed the game for sure. The grapes and groans are amplified indeed, and it'd be nice to see more positives out there, but people are looking for the downside. Andreas Hauser, any thoughts on uh, how vocal are employees when they're delighted by their user experience in software? I think you need to think about when when is somebody delighted. I think um, 
you get delighted if you can compare before and after. To be very honest, if you if you download an app from from App Store, Apple, you, and you just use it, do you get delighted? I'm not sure. It just works. It just works. But you get delighted at the point of time when the thing does something that you did not expect and even brought you more. And I think this is exactly where what, what I think we need to look for. I think it's not just the one topic is good user experience. People, I don't think that they that they will be happy to say, wow, amazing, great user experience. But if they have a benefit out of that. Now, for example, um, you mentioned social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, imagine if you if you work in your business context and you can leverage social media to get information that you didn't have before. And this is integrated in your software. This delights people. And, uh, yeah, that's my point of view. Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate that. You know what? We are going to take a break. We have nine minutes left. We're going to take just a quick one-minute break, give my panelists a chance to catch their breath, look in the crystal ball, dust it off. If you haven't done it already, Sean Sievertson, Scott Lewer, and Andreas Hauser, when we come back, we're going to talk about your predictions for where will we be, let's arbitrarily say the year 2020, if you don't like that. Scott, I'm still waiting for a big debate from you. If you don't like 2020, (laughs) debate me on a better year for the future. Great expectations. User experience in the enterprise. Is it ramping up? Is it getting better? Will there be more delightful experiences at a future point in time? I'm speaking with Sean Sievertson at Convergent IS, Scott Lewer at the Digital Clarity Group, and Andreas Hauser at Design and Co-Innovation Center at SAP SE. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We'll be right back. Brad out. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as business simplification, insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity, business networks and supply chains, and the ever-present need for speed are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. The Future of Business with Game Changers is presented by SAP Services. Visit www.sap.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to the future of business with Game Changers. And the future is right now. I'm speaking today with Sean Sievertson at Convergent IS, Scott Lewer at Digital Clarity Group, and Andreas Hauser at SAP. Time for the crystal ball predictions round. We're going to first up on the on the sequence here. We're looking at Sean Sievertson. Sean crystal ball time can you see clearly to the year 2020 you have a different year and where will the ux and the enterprise be at that future date tell me the time and then predict go ahead well you know anything much more than uh, the end of the day gets about as uh, as clear as my cup of espresso in the morning bonnie but um <laughs> i i think 
one of the, the most clear trends that I've seen is that, you know, as we've been talking about, that consumer experience and the expectations that have risen and the demographic shift that's happening right now, they're all coming together with uh, an industry as software vendors that are putting a lot more emphasis on making their solutions not just easier to use, but even more open. And I think that that transition is going to be coming together to provide enterprises with an opportunity to connect in new ways and bring their employees together in new ways so that that experience becomes an employee experience, a user experience, and a productivity experience mm -hmm. that starts to parallel how easy it is, for instance, for you know, anybody that has, uh, I'll call it the Apple Home, where their iPhone talks to their iPad, talks to their Mac, talks to their TV, and you can start an email on one and pick it up and finish it on another. And that, that expectation keeps getting raised. And that personal connectedness, uh, you know, one of the folks that I know has, has a fridge that talks to their iPhone. It's not my thing, but hey, um, I know my thermostat <laughs> talks to my iPhone. And that kind of connectedness is, is becoming the, the new expectation. So I think that what we're really seeing for organizations is, you know, over the next uh, decade, five, ten years, we're going to be seeing those enterprises connecting things across people's jobs. And that's the kind of productivity and, and acceleration and training that they're going to get is to make somebody's job more connected and more seamless than it's ever been before. It reminds me of we just did a business disruptions 2015 prediction show with Tim Minahan, Jeff Kaplan, and Paul Greenberg uh, on yesterday's Coffee Break radio show. And we talked about the networked economy, and it sounds like perhaps we're talking about the networked workplace. But that would be a totally different topic. Thank you, Sean. Scott Leeward, I can give you, uh, let's see, I can give you 90 seconds for your predictions. Go. All right, great. We actually wrote a paper on this kind of doing business 2020, and one of the things we talked about was that I think in 2020, determining even who is an employee, as we've talked about and defined employee experience, is not only going to become more difficult to determine who is an employee, it's going to actually be irrelevant. I think whether um, folks who do work for your organization are on-site or they're remote or whether they're um, contracted or corporate or they've been there for a long time or they just joined, I think the point is that people kind of similar to what Sean said is that be circulating in and out of project teams and um, based on their skills, experience, responsibilities, that sort of stuff, that, that essentially we start to break down the walls by this connectedness that I think Sean talked about, that kind of, you know, being able to enable um, for experiences to be able to enable this kind of flexible, responsive solution for information access based on what my role is, what team I'm on, what project I'm on, you know, where I am, all that sort of stuff, that contextual nature um, is going to be, you know, s significantly far more important. And even just the idea of uh, kind of enterprise social, which I think thus far hasn't proven much because it's been about social for the sake of social, and it hasn't really had a real clear business purpose. But I think when in the future, as more and more of the workforce changes over to these folks who grew up with social, will start to apply it more to address work or information flow, you know, gaps in, in, in business processes. And suddenly we won't anymore have to be worrying about what is a social ROI sort of deal. So I think the idea of collaboration, working across teams, um, and the connectedness that Sean talked about are very much the, uh, the kind of enterprise of the future. Thank you, Scott. Andreas Hauser, I saved just shy of 90 seconds for you. Be quick. Go. Okay. 
Um, I predict that uh, 2020, everybody really in the industry understands the value of UX and internalizes it from software vendors for, to partners, but IT organizations in all processes, in the sales process, understand the needs of the end users in the implementation when new software is developed. Um, that, that's what, what I see. And I see also that uh, this is really a starting point. Uh, the methodology that we used with involving the users in the process, um, it's really something that you use also to uh, design thinking to uh, um, work on future innovations. And that's what the CIOs are about. They would like to more bring an innovation culture into the corporations. And I think we're, with that, we will, be, um, we will achieve that our customers uh, will be able to deliver more innovative solutions um, based on the solutions that we offer. And my personal story is I was sitting at a bar when I, uh, more than 10 years ago. Fast, uh, fast, fast. Talk uh, fast. Go ahead. Uh, uh, and people, um, people ask me, where do you work? I said, I work for SAP. And they say, oh, usability of SAP is not really ideal. And my motivation is that... Uh, at least until 2020, hopefully earlier, somebody comes and says, hey, how did you do that? How you changed the perception in the market about user experience? I love it. Thank you very much. Sorry to push you faster. We're out of time. Guess what? I have my own prediction. Starting February 3rd, we launch a brand new series called The Digital World with Game Changers. Got to tune that one in. The following week, we launch Transforming Your Business with Game Changers. The week after that, Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers. Week after that, we debut Business Innovation with Game Changers. And on March 3rd, Wait for it, wait for it. Game-changing women. Yes, five new series are coming to SAP Radio on the Business Channel. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Grateful to Sean Sievertson, Scott Lewer, and Andreas Hauser. Great conversation. Thanks for bringing your intelligence and your insights and your predictions to the table. I really enjoyed speaking with you. And a shout-out to Katie Mosier and Mark Labitz for tweeting. Great tweets. And somebody at least we had uh, design. Connect Design, we had all kinds of people tweeting for us today. Whoever you are, thank you very much. Oh, SAP Designs and um, Correct Design, thank you very much. And we'll be back next week on Wednesday with another live edition of Coffee Break with Game Changers. So here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a – maybe it's a connected seatbelt, UX. Go out and be a game changer today. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for another edition of Future of Business with Game Changers. Bye-bye. <laughs>